everyone, and welcome to another episode of Bible Ask Live, where we answer your Bible questions here live on our show. Uh, my, my name's Tina, and these are my friends, Jane and Wendy. Hi, guys. Hello. How are y'all doing this Friday evening? We are good. Grateful for another Friday. Amen. <laughs> Amen. This, was it just me, or did this week just completely fly by? Like, yeah, I blinked, and it's today. <laughs> that's what yes. I was going to say. That's what it felt like. It just, it was a blink, and it was gone. Truly. Yeah. Yeah, but thank God, you know, at least we're alive, we're here, and um, I'm excited because it's almost Christmas, so this is always my favorite time of year, so <laughs> one week closer to the big day. Hallelujah. Yeah. So we are so excited to have you, our viewers, join us here on our show. We want to remind you that we are live. So if you have questions or comments that you have of anything that we say on the show, feel free to put them down in the comments at any time. We would love to um, hear shout outs or your thoughts or any, again, questions that you might have. Or if you are interested in putting um, submitting a question for our live show, feel free to go to our website, bibleask.org forward slash live, and we would love to hear from you and get your amazing questions. We have quite a few this week, so we're really excited to be able to answer them. Um, we want to also remind you that we are on YouTube and Facebook, as well as on our podcast. So feel free to find us, like us, share us, and you know, just spread the gospel by doing this. And so um, we want to welcome you if this is your first time. And if you're a returning guest, we want to say thank you for joining us again. And we hope that you are blessed this evening. So uh, Jay or Wendy, you want to open us up with a quick word of prayer? Sure, let's do it. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time now to take a break and to dive into your word and just to be together. Uh, we pray that your spirit unite us all and teach us your truth and help it so that only your truth be spoken here and um, and just bring us into unity in you and your love. And this we pray in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. 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 All right, Miss Wendy, what is our first question? All right, let's go ahead and get that question up here. So Mary is asking, is there a specific name? Uh, I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> is there a specific name for your book in one thirty in 139th Psalm, where every day of your life is written, like, for example, the Lamb's Book of Life. Thanks. Maybe you guys can clarify this question a little bit. Yeah, so I think if we put up the 139th Psalm, starting at verse 13, uh, we'll, we'll get some context here. So Psalm 139, verse 13, and it says, For you formed my inward parts, you covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my stump substance being yet unformed. And here's the part that the questioner is asking about, Mary. Mary's asking about. And in your book, they were all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them so mary's asking what is that book mentioned there and that's a great question great question mary so i think if we look at the whole psalm as a all together first it, it, we get some context that might help us so if we look at psalm 139 uh verse 1 it says you know you have searched me and known me 
you know my my sitting down and my rising up you understand my thought afar off you comprehend my path my lying down you're acquainted with all my ways for there is not a word on my tongue but behold lord you know it all together um and then he goes this is the psalmist he keeps he says you know wherever i go lord you know your 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 spirit you know can find me where, where, how can i flee from your presence um you know it says like in the darkness in, in verse 12 he says indeed the darkness shall not hide you or so shall not hide from you but the night shines as the day the darkness and the light are both alike to you uh, verse 19 oh that you would slay the wicked O god depart from me therefore you bloodthirsty men in verse 23 search me O god know my heart try me know my anxieties and see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting so these are verses from the beginning and end of this psalm and the book is mentioned pretty much in this the middle of this chapter and you're probably thinking okay well what do all these things have to do with each other but really i think this is talking about god's judgment how does god judge us you know the David or the psalmist is saying, you know, no matter where I go, you, you see me, you know, everything about me inside and out. You, you know, what's in the darkness, you see everything as if it's just light. Um, and then talking about, you know, oh, that you would slay the wicked. I mean, this is bringing judgment to the wicked. Um, this is very much judgment oriented language. Not, not perhaps the most clear that you might see in the Bible, but, um, uh, I say this is judgment-oriented language, and often associated with judgment is a book. And if we look at Psalm, so so we looked at this one Psalm. Now let's look at other Psalms that will give us more context too. So Psalm 69, verse 24, it's or starting at verse 24, it says, Pour out your indignation upon them, and let your wrathful anger take hold of them. Let their dwelling places, places be desolate. Let no one living in their tents... Um, for they persecute the ones you have struck and talk of the grief of those you have wounded. Add iniquity to their iniquity and let them not come into your righteousness. Let them be blotted out of the book of the living. Other translations might say the book of life and not be written in righteousness. But I am poor and sorrowful. Let your salvation of God be set upon high or set me on high. So he is talking about God. Please come judge this right, right, these uh, these wicked people. Blot them out of the book of life. Blot them out. Similar language, Psalms nine forty seven. Uh, it says, for uh, verse four, you have maintained my right and my cause. You sat on the throne judging in rightness, righteousness. You have rebuked the nations. You have destroyed the wicked. You have blotted out their name forever and ever. O enemy, destructions are finished forever, and you have destroyed cities. Even their memory has perished. But the Lord shall endure forever. He has prepared his throne for judgment. So there's this book, a book of life. If your name is in it, you shall be saved. And you see that in uh, in Revelation. Um, for example, Revelation 3, 5, it says, The one who is victorious will, um, will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my Father and his angels. And then you see Revelation 20, 
verse 12, it says, um, you know, that there were the dead, uh, great and small, standing before the throne. The books were open. So there's multiple books. And another book was open, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in those books. So there is a book that's probably recorded for each one of us. But then there's also this larger book of life. And we're not given tons of details on these. So uh, if the one book we're, we're seeing a lot mentioned in, Revel in uh, Psalm is a book of life. If, if that's not the one specifically mentioned in Psalm 139, it's probably one of these books of judgment, a recording of someone's life. Uh, and, and so just nothing escapes God's view. He sees it all. He records it all. And it's important also not to just think of this as just some book, just like a, you know, a physical book that you, you might read. We're, in fact, in some of this ancient language is probably the word used there might be scroll or something like that. But we have translated it to be book. In modern times, we might even say, we might use the word recording. That might be a better word even than book, some recording. Because, uh, I mean, just think how technology has changed for us. We go, we've went from scrolls and papyrus to books to um, then we had, you know, floppy disks and, and other weird things to CDs. And now we're using thumb drives and, and now the cloud. And, and really, probably the cloud is the closest thing to how God works. He has some way of storing some technology beyond us. that Everything's recorded there. And this is what it's sort of referring to here in psalm and then across the bible so great question Dina, what do you think i i mean i totally agree um and i think that is definitely judgment language and it always reminds me of um also written in malachi 316 i'm sorry if, if you quoted it and i didn't hear you no i didn't <laughs> okay or he basically talks it's god's people at the end of time um, is kind of the context, it seems. Um, but it basically it says, Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another, and the Lord heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and thought upon his name. So there's definitely books recording, like you're saying, in heaven, uh, both good and bad. So it kind of makes you think like, you know, everything you say, think, and do, we want to think about these things because it is being recorded by God, and he does know there's nothing that escapes him. So, um, yeah. Okay. And, and that's a good point, too. Maybe something I mentioned. Yeah, he records all the bad stuff, but when you ask for forgiveness, he blocks out our sins. And then what's left is your good. So don't you want to be doing your best now to have as many good things recorded? Mm -hmm. And then you could go back for all of eternity, be so glad, hey, I helped that person. I did this for someone else. I sacrificed this. God sees it all. He records it all. Um, so let that in your in the book of remembrance amen yeah let it be your legacy and i agree like thank god he says he blots out our sins and all they see all god sees is jesus who covers our sins so yeah thank the lord because there's definitely things i don't want remembered <laughs> that i've asked for forgiven for so thank god first john 1 9 says if you confess our sins he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness yeah, and like the east is from the west, so shall God separate us from our sins. Amen. 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 All right, Miss Wendy, do we have another question? Yes, let's get our next question up. All right, so Graham is asking the Codex of Codex Sinaiticus. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the Codex Sinaiticus is the world's oldest Bible. 
If you were to compare and contrast it with the Bible we have now, what would the difference and similarities be? That is a very interesting question, my friend Graham. And to be honest, um, it's a little bit, some things you're implying in the question. So I, I'll first kind of address, I mean, first of all, what is the code Synicus, if I'm not saying it right, please correct me. Synethicus. Uh, so basically, At least that's how I've heard scholars say it. Okay. I'm not a scholar, but <laughs> I do know what this book is. It's, or people call them um, the book of Sinai. It's basically yeah. an old manuscript written completely in Greek where um, of basically most of the Bible. And so what the, this book, we all just call it the book of Sinai so I can say it the right way. Um, is basically it's how it's all the new testament half about half the old testament and the apocrypha which are these added books that are not really part of the canon now as far as how it's similar and how it's different than the bible we have today it all it kind of depends on which bible you're using um i'll say first because um if you look at the the king james version for example there's a lot of things that are missing in the book of Sinai, as opposed to um, what we have as the Bible today as the King James Bible. And the reason for this is it's just missing. I think I read there's like 14,000 differences between the book <laughs> of the Mount of Sinai and um, the Bible that we basically use today, which um, like the King James Bible is taken from the Textus Receptus, which is kind of a conglomerate of various manuscripts that were written in Hebrew, Aramaic, and, and Greek. Whereas um, this co you know, Codex Sinaicus, I'm not saying it right, Book of Sinai is only written in Greek. And the reason why um, people say you know, it was only written in Greek is because it was translated um, from uh, other books. But the thing is, where I have some um, setbacks between um, using this as a reliable source is, like I said, there's a lot of things missing. Um, for example, if you go to the story of Jesus's crucifixion um, in the book of Mark, his resurrection is not there. And so that piece is missing, which is a pretty important piece. And I know that, obviously, but in other parts, like in the book of Matthew, it is there. So it doesn't deny that Jesus resurrected. It's just parts of the story is missing in certain parts of the Bible. Um, but one thing that kind of bothered me a little bit more than a lot of other things is, um, well, there's also many parts of Revelation that are missing, but also um, in the book of John chapter eight, the story of the woman caught in adultery is also missing in the book of Sinai, which I, to me, that is such a profound and important story as part of the gospel. And so um, as far as, you know, similarities, differences, there are some things that are congruent with the Bible we have today, but there's just a lot of pieces missing. Um, same thing with like the Lord's Prayer, like the Lord's Prayer starts with our Father, which art in heaven, but in the book of Sinai, it just says Father. So it's missing our Father, which is in heaven. So it's just kind of these things and it leaves off the ending. Um, you know, it kind of stops, I think at, um, it says, you know, and lead us not into temptation and that's it. Whereas in the Bible or the book, the King James version of the Bible we read today, it says, you know, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil for thine is the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So there are a lot of these things that are missing, but what I think is also kind of, I don't say disturbing, but um, they're missing a lot of good things and also adding the Apocrypha, which is again, not part of the canon. Um, and I don't believe that those books are inspired. Um, so 
I, I guess that's a quick summary of some of those differences. But again, there's like 14,000 differences between um, the Bible, King James Bible that we read today and um, the Mount, uh, excuse me, the Book of Sinai, which I believe was actually found in Syria. So it's not even really <laughs> near Mount Sinai um, or where they believe Sinai to be. But, um, you know, do some research and um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on this question, actually. Uh, Jay or Wendy, anything yeah. else? So, yeah, I mean, I would say that uh, the Codex Sinaiticus is not without its controversy. And and to give you an idea of background of of the Bible, like I often say we need to go back to the original manuscripts and look at those. And, or, or you know, the original language, look at the original Hebrew, look at the original Greek. Uh, so often when we talk about the Codex Sinaiticus, as Tina said, very much we look at it, especially for the Greek part, especially for the New Testament. And... Um, the alternatives, the other manuscripts, the, another big one is the, uh, the Codex, Codex Vaticanus that came out, it came out of the, the Vatican. And then we also have the, um, the Textus Receptus line, or you might see TR for, for short. And um, the idea with the Textus Receptus line of of text and we, it's called the majority text because one time almost all bibles most bibles were based off of the textus receptus uh, we don't have really 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 old textus receptus documents but think of it this way that um, people going out of the middle east going out of you know where ancient uh, christianity was parts of europe they make copy after copy after copy after copy in every way that they go to take more copies. And these these copies are even used to make Bibles in hundreds of different languages. So we don't have the original manuscripts, but we have thousands of documents made of copies of copies of copies of, of these documents. And we're able to pull them together and see they're almost all consistent with one another. And with that, you could backtrack and sort of figure out, okay, there is a consistent lineage, this Texas Receptus line. And it's this Texas Receptus line of, of um, text that the King James Version is based on. And, and again, we're talking about the text, especially that's used for the New Testament. Um, that's rarely, rare, for most of us, that's where it comes up. I mean, here the Apocrypha could be a part of it, but we're talking about what is the text, the Greek text we use for translating the New Testament. And so King James Version uses Texas Receptus. You have the other ones, uh, more modern texts go with the cooler, older um, Texas Vaticanus and Texas, um, uh, Texas Sinaiticus. Um, and so that's giving you a background. Sorry. Why do we care about these? Um, and, and then there's a completely different, there's like the Masoretic text um, that is the Hebrew text that a lot of um, Bibles use for the Hebrew part. Um, but sorry, what were you going to say, Tina? And my only thought on that is, you know, as much as, you know, this um, Copus Sinaiticus, I'm not saying it right. <laughs> um, you know, it is older, um, but that doesn't necessarily make it more accurate just because, um, like, if you think about it, like if you had a book in your house that you read all the time, it would wear out a lot faster. Whereas there's a book you're like, this is not a great book. You put it on the shelf and it sits there. It stays in mint condition <laughs> because yeah. you never touch it. And, and again, so still, who, who do we know who wrote it? How trustworthy were they? What was their source? You mm -hmm. know, so do you go with the one text that's oldest than everything that we, as far as we know, or do you go with the one that 
a lineage of thousands and thousands of texts that you know together are really consistent with each other um, yeah, so that's exactly. that's kind of where the, the issue goes yeah older isn't always better that is a logical fallacy and yeah. there actually is some controversy about how old the textus sinaiticus really is there's um what the codex sinaiticus what did i call it texas the texas sinaiticus <laughs> <laughs> okay the codex sinaiticus we don't really um know for sure for sure i mean it's shortly after it was discovered by um this guy constantine tischendorf um there was another person who came forward to say hey no this was like a junk uh manuscript i wrote and mm. and this thing is not brand new yeah, um, they found so, it like the 1980s didn't they no 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 it goes more like oh, no 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 i'm sorry I'm something else um late 1800s i think it is when it happened but yeah, yeah supposedly he found some found the talk about constantine tischendorf he was at um the the place at mount sinai where there's the um uh forget, like where where like monks hang out sort of that sort of thing monastery monastery <laughs> yeah great like the saint Cath uh, yeah. something <laughs> i'm forgetting so it's kind of like a monastery and he said he found people there that they're on the verge of like burning these um these uh pieces Papyrus. of paper that had the yeah. had the language on it so mm -hmm. interesting story no matter what but yeah I, I think what you said ultimately the distinctions are kind of minor you could still get the whole gospel out of whatever you use. Yeah. But like you're saying, I think <laughs> let's take something that has the whole picture and that's from trusted sources. So that's probably the better version. But anyways, uh, let's keep going. <laughs> we could talk about this all day. Yeah, we could. I mean, I could go even further. Like, why is there more in the version to use for the King James Version? There's, that's an interesting story too. But <laughs> Yeah, for right, sure. Let's get our next question up. All right, so Becky is asking, what is or how can one memorize verses? Okay, so, um, and by the way, uh, Daniel, uh, I just want to say hi. Well, first, let's say hi to everybody who's wow, here. Yeah, we got a lot of people um, watching tonight. Yeah, hi, everyone. Diana, thanks for joining us. Hi. <laughs> uh, John, hello. Uh, Actually, I'm going to be doing an interesting live stream Sunday in a week going into the details on Christmas. So you might like that one, John. Uh, um, maybe we'll pitch it next week. More diesels on that. Um, Daniel Shaw Vicente, thank you. Um, so uh, let's read this question because I think the question that was just asked it might be a little relevant here too. So Daniel is saying, I feel like the devil is taking hold of me. How do I resist? I feel like I'm on God's last chance to be saved. I have schizophrenia and almost every condition in the medical book. How do I survive? Mm -hmm. So Daniel, I mean, we, uh, we could go on and on on what to say about that. Winnie and I have been working on a documentary on mental health, and mm -hmm. there's definitely no one panacea treatment, and everybody has different circumstances. Um, the Bible does say um, no cause comes without, or sorry, no curse comes without a cause. So if you understand what caused it, then you will find where the cure might be. So hope that 
even that wisdom from the proverbs will give you some guidance to go back and figure out okay when did it start what maybe triggered it what could be behind it for some people it could be um even the nutritional issues it could be toxic exposure issues it could be um, experiences family background there's so many things so please uh, work with experts uh, if you haven't already but i mean we know so many people go from expert to expert too and it's hard to find especially for this condition in particular and um, it is unfortunate that it is a difficult one to uh, to treat but there are people who have had success so um, don't ever give hope yeah don't ever give up there it, i always believe there is a cure out there and there's a person mm -hmm. who knows it so it's the, the having that tenacity to keep searching yep. uh, and we'll keep you in prayer and and maybe too as you're you're going let's talk about bible verses and how to memorize those and maybe that will be helpful to i, I know there's a lot of people say oh just you know study bible verses invoke the promises as you know, if boom, instantly, then you'll get healed. I'm not saying that, mm -hmm. um, but um, maybe maybe this also can help be a part of, of transforming your heart and mind and, and for anybody else too. This is, um, this worked for me. This is what the Bible says too. So five ways to help you help anybody memorize Bible verses. First one, it begins with listening and reading. Romans 10, 17, it says, So when faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So it starts there. Um, what really helped me really get through the Bible faster was actually listening, getting the Bible on, on CD. Back at the time, we still use CDs, and just playing it. I did a lot of driving, so I go long, on long drives, and I'm just listening for hours of Bible. And by doing that, it's great. I didn't get stuck on just one little chapter. I began to hear the whole Bible in long pieces and start seeing how it all interacted um, and seeing repeating patterns and things. So I, I think I really encourage that. Can I just add on to that too? There is this, um, mm. there was this app and there, it's not so much an app anymore, but the songs are still available. You look up scripture singer. It's a, a group that put this together and there's all these verses from the Bible that have been put to song and it's done so beautifully and it is such a good way to memorize mm. scripture. And right. it's, you gotta listen to his songs, listen to it as music. Yeah, it's it's very uplifting music and it's just it's wonderful to listen to. I've listened to Scripture Singer for years and just found it so helpful in learning scripture. Great, yeah, that's another good way to do it. Um and then number two. Daily meditate, as uh, as the psalmist writes in Psalm one nineteen one forty eight, says, "My eyes are awake through the night watches, that I may meditate on your word." And and God had the ancient Israelites um, put reminders everywhere, even wear them on themselves to to remind them of His word and and His laws. So it's always before them. I mean, Wendy is a big fan of word art; it has it all over our house. Um, it kind of is a biblical concept, but even more importantly, we need to be just taking it in constantly like it's food that you need for nutrition. As Jesus said, um, you know, it is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. It's Luke 4, 4, um, it's in Matthew, and actually Jesus here is quoting Deuteronomy. So this shows up many times in the Bible because it's important. Mm -hmm. So daily meditate on the word. 
Um, step three, make room for the word by clearing out the junk in your life. Uh, Philippians 2.5 says, let your mind, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And we don't ever see Jesus wasting his time. We don't see Jesus um, engaging in idle things. I mean, not to say he wouldn't have fun when it'd be appropriate, but, um, you know, we're constantly listening, let's say, to bad music, watching bad videos, listening or looking at bad TV shows. All these things are just filling us with bad ideas, dragging us down. Um, but we need to give us peace, quiet, uh, things that will help us really make room for the word to internalize in us. First uh, Peter 1, 13 to 16, it says, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts, as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. So prepare, prepare the way for that. And I have to say, if you, if you look at the parable of the sower, this is a famous parable Jesus said, it shows up in three of the four Gospels, which tells you this is a really important story if three of the Gospel writers wanted to tell this account. One of the types of ground that receives the soil, or sorry, the types of soil that receives the seed is this one that brings up lots of weeds, and the weeds choke out um, the good seed, the, the, the sprout of the good seed. And Jesus says that's like someone who lets the cares of the world choke out the, the life of the gospel within them. So you don't want to be like that. You want to clear out way for the Bible to really fulfill you and change you, which comes to part four. So part four, really commit the word to your heart and internalize it. Don't just seek to memorize it. I think you're going to go even better when you actually take it in and understand it and let it work itself in you. Deuteronomy 30, 14, God says, But the word is very near you in your mouth and in your heart that you may do it. Thy word have I hid in my heart. This is Psalm 119.11 that I might not sin against thee. Thy word have hid in my heart. And you notice in both of these verses, there's this call to action. That the word doesn't just go in us, it should also bring something out of us. And that's my fifth and final point, which is critical, I'd say, to don't just memorize these verses, but bring them to life in you. Mm -hmm. uh, that's practice the word. Bring it into practice. Luke 1, 28 or sorry, Luke eleven twenty eight. it says, but he said, yea, rather, blessed, this is Jesus speaking, blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. Luke 8, 15 to 18. Now, this is from the parable of the sower. Jesus explained it, it says, but the ones, the seeds that fell on the good ground are those who have heard the word with a noble and good heart but keep it and bear fruit with patience. No one, when he has lit a lamp, covers it with a vessel or puts it under a bed, but sets it on a lampstand that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is secret that will be revealed, will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known and come to light. Therefore, take heed how you hear, 
for whoever has to him more will be given and whoever does not have even what he seems to have will be taken from him so that's a warning that last part there if you don't receive the bible verses and put it into play like make use of this knowledge that you're gaining god is going to stop giving light to you because he's like what's the point but if he gives you a little truth, a little light, and it changes you, God will give you more and more and more and lead you further down um, the wonderful journey of a closer walk with him. And as a bonus, please don't forget John 14, 26. The burden isn't on us to necessarily memorize everything. Don't stress yourself out if you can't remember it all. Because Jesus says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I, ha I said to you. So really, um, the Holy Spirit is going to back us up on the remembrance part. And, and just remember, Philippians 2, 13, For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. God wants to give you the will even to make things happen. And if you want to memorize, you want to be able to do that, work with God. He wants you to be able to do that. And if you don't have the willpower to do it, he can give you that willpower if you ask him. So don't leave God out of the picture too. So I hope that answers your question. Tina, I'm sure you have a lot of ideas on this too. I, I think you guys honestly summed it up really well. Um, I totally agree. Uh, I love that um, promise Psalms 119 verse 11, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Um, how it goes along really well with second Peter one, four that says, you know, basically that these great and precious promises um, through them, we can overcome um, whereby are given unto us exceeding and in, in great and precious promises that by these, the promises, you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And I think, you know, like you're saying, it's an action. Um, it's not just here. We're not supposed to be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. And that's how we really memorize it because we bring it into our day-to-day -day life. And I think like Wendy said, singing um, scripture songs is an awesome way to memorize. I have so much of scripture memorized because I can put, I, you know, I uh, had it put into a song um, just like, um, I don't want to sing <laughs> right now, but um, <laughs> I remember I was always having trouble memorizing um, the, the Sabbath verse in Genesis two, two and three. And somebody sang it to me in a song and I was like, this is amazing. And I can say it verbatim all the time. Um, because it's it's in a song. So yeah, it's another really great uh, tool that God has given us um, to to remember his word and to bring it into our day-to-day -day life. So good job, guys. Amen. I like Amen. Thank you. So we got comments. Oh, yes. We have uh, quite a few still. Hi, Olivia. She's saying hello to everyone. Nice to see you again, as always. And Rachel Jason, I hope I'm saying your next, last name right. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Rachel. And, mm -hmm. and Olivia is also saying, Daniel, just call on the name of Jesus and he will help you. Amen. He will help you, Daniel. And God be with you. Um, and should we pray for yeah. our friend Daniel? Would you mind doing that? Sorry. Um, Lord, we just want to uh, gather together right now to especially pray a special um, prayer for intervention for Daniel as he's going through, I can only imagine, uh, an incredibly challenging experience of 
of just having his mind feeling out of his control and uh, I can only imagine being told that there's no way to be healed and maybe um, you know no doctor seeming knowing what to really do and just the frustrations the the lack of hope but I, I pray Lord they could just really intervene right now in his life that you can set your hand on his shoulders and um, let his spirit your spirit lord rest upon rest upon him anoint his head that he can feel the peace of your presence and the warmth of your love to know that you are there right here with him lord and to give him that hope for tomorrow the hope that you care about him lord you want him to live you want him to um, be able to um, be your helper in this world and to be your son and uh, guide him to the right solutions lord that will help heal his mind and help him to take back captivity of his thoughts and to restore in him uh, the image of your mind lord give him the mind of christ as we all need it too lord we're all broken we all have our challenges and and we really need your help, Lord, to make us more like you, to heal us, to restore us. And again, please especially do that for Daniel right now. Even uh, incredible intervention, Lord. So I pray this in the name of our Creator, our Redeemer, the wonderful Healer, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right. Shall we go ahead and get our next question up? Yeah. Samjoy asks, which verse from the Bible is called the miniature Bible? That's an interesting question, Samjoy. Um, I would say that as far as a verse goes, I don't know that there's usually one set verse, but as far as a book of the Bible, usually the book of Isaiah is called a miniature Bible. Um, and that's because it has 66 chapters and the Bible has 66 books and um, just kind of the layout of how Isaiah is written is very similar to from front to end how the Bible is kind of uh, laid out as well. But if I had to pick a Bible verse that I would say this is kind of the summation of, you know, the whole purpose of the Bible, it would probably be the most famous Bible verse, which is John 3:16, which we know says for God, you know, the greatest giver, <laughs> so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And really that's the whole point of the Bible is that we understand that there is a God and he did send his son into the world for our salvation. And if we just believe in him, we can have eternal life. We don't have to perish. We don't have to die forever. We can live with him for eternity in heaven. Um, so I hope that answers your question. I know it's pretty quick, which that's okay with me. Um, but if you have any other thoughts on this, um, please feel free to uh, let us know. But again, um, if you want a the only book I know of, like I said, is the book of Isaiah, which um, it's really it's really cool to take a look at that if you ever have a chance as far as um, some interesting Bible study. Uh, Jerry, Wendy, any other thoughts on that? Nope, that's my understanding too. But honestly, I would just say, the more I read and study the Bible, the more I realize the gospel is summed up in every book of the Bible. Amen. Just need to know how to <laughs> yeah. look and see it. That's true. I know Deuteronomy, I'm like, this book is amazing. 
But I'm like, no wonder Jesus quoted it like three times when he fought with the devil. So that's, <laughs> yeah, that's a good book. But yeah, they're all good. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Next question. And by the way, we want to, I want to thank John too for sharing his testimony. Thank you for, for that. Glad to hear that you've been able to overcome uh, depression too, especially with God's help. That's, that's a great way to get hope. Amen. Oh, All right. Rachel, thank you for, I'm glad I said your name right. Sorry, <laughs> I just saw her comment. Yay. Let's go ahead and get our next question up. Mary asks, is there a specific name for, oh, this oh wait, is... we already did this one. Yep. Oops. <laughs> we are live. <laughs> yes, we Lewis are. asks, or Louise, one of the two, please explain judging. When does having an opinion about someone and or coming to a conclusion about that person move to making a judgment about them? I know I shouldn't judge. I just want to clearly understand the scripture. Judge not. Thank you. I like this. I like this. Maybe because I'm a lawyer, but I, I like anything with judging. And because you're an law. E, or cause you're a INTJ. With oh, yeah, J. that too. My personality type. <laughs> INTJ. I'm all about the judging. <laughs> and I mean... We have to, well, you're going to answer this. We have to understand that judging isn't always bad. I mean. Exactly. There's all sorts of different types of judging. And I think that that actually gets to why the Bible is so confusing about judging. I mean, just in English, judging can mean so many different things. Mm -hmm. And the Greek word for judging also means a lot of different things. So let's uh, start off with, I think, maybe the verse that Lewis has in mind. And that's Matthew 7 starting at verse 1. And verse 1 reads, this is Jesus speaking, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. All right, so this word judge, what is Jesus talking about here? That's the Greek word krino, and it can mean to separate, to put asunder, to pick out. So I would say to sort of like divide, to distinguish. Um, to approve, to esteem. Um, that second word, to approve or esteem, we see, uh, I think, James using that that usage of crino. Uh, can mean to be opinion of, to deem, to think, um, to determine, to resolve, to decree, um, to pronounce an opinion concerning right or wrong. Now, I think that one gets closer to what we tend to think of for, for this judging. Okay, you're right you're wrong, or I'm wrong, usually more like, I'm right, you're wrong. Um, uh, and, and then it could also mean like to be judged like in a court, like, you know, a judge is judging you, because that's what they do. They pronounce a judgment um, to rule, to govern, um, and then to contend with of warriors and combatants, probably like a gladiator scene. Uh, so all sorts of these different meanings of it. But let's look at more in context. Uh, so we just read from from Matthew verses Matthew 7 verses 1 and 2. Now let's look at Matthew 3. Jesus is going to give us some more details of what this judging he's talking about is. So he says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? So going to Matthew 7 verse 4 now. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a ginormous plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. 
First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. All right, so what is Jesus talking about here? I think he's talking about here, like, don't be nitpicky with problems in your brother. Because you probably have far worse issues. And I've talked about this before uh, on the show, that usually, I think, if you're nitpicking people, probably you have a bigger problem, and that's being nitpicky and being critical and being condemning. And that's far worse, probably, than anything you're condemning somebody else for. And if we look at Galatians 6.1, Paul gives us some advice here. He says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you are, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. So what is he saying here? Go easy on somebody who's messing up because you can also be tempted to mess up just as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, how often do we see stories of these pastors and these public figures who are known for promoting righteousness and then they have a huge affair or a huge scandal and mm -hmm. seems to bring them down? I mean, nobody is beyond being tempted and dragged down. Satan is working hard on everybody. So always know you could be the next one to screw up, screw up big time and have big problems. I mean, we've, we're all sinners. We've all mm -hmm. sinned. So always keep that. These, and these verses you're bringing up here are profoundly deep when we really think about it. Like the, you know, the, the idea of taking the speck out of someone else's eye when there's literally a, like a plank in our eye. I mean, it's not literal, but like it's, it's a figure of speech that there's, you know, we're making something small to somebody else huge, probably because it's huge to us for some reason. But why, like, why, why are we focused on that thing other than maybe it's revealing something to us about ourselves that we need to work on, that we, that it's something that we should be addressing within ourselves more so than what we should be telling somebody else to do. Yeah, that's a great point. And, and that made me think of another thing too, like working on our documentary on mental health, I have come to so much appreciate more how just our past experiences, our traumas, things mm -hmm. we have gone through, the way we were raised as kids makes us who we are today. And if we understand someone's background, their history, suddenly all those things that seem really crazy to us and unexplainable and like, wow, what's wrong with this person? Suddenly it all makes sense. Mm -hmm. And you now feel so bad for that person because you're realizing they're struggling and they're doing an amazing job despite mm -hmm. their challenges. And now you have a completely different understanding of that person. Yeah. And this idea of restoring them to righteousness, you know, we often want to pick on something that is not perfect in somebody else. And again, this is often a reflection of something that is not perfect in us. But instead of working on it in us, we go and pick on it in somebody else. Exactly. Yes. And instead, you know, but what's going to restore another person to righteousness is not necessarily the, like, it's, it's not picking on those little problems that we have with them. It's, it's uplifting them. It's meeting their needs where they are at in the path of where God is calling them to be, which has nothing to do with us. Other than the fact that God is giving us an opportunity to be a blessing and a conduit of his love in their life. Oh, and that's an important point there that 
which we'll get to in a moment. That's, I mean, that's the big part. That That's the big, that's where lies the rub. So let's go to, um, we're still in Matthew chapter 7. Let's move on to verse 6 now. We, we just looked at verse 5, right? So Jesus says, don't judge, right? Don't worry about the speck in your brother's eye. But the very next verse, verse 6, look at this. He says, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you if you do, they will trample them under feet and ter- turn and tear you into pieces. Um, Jesus here is actually telling you, exercise discernment and judgment. This is, so Jesus doesn't say, don't ever judge, don't use discernment. Mm-hmm. No, there's the right time to do it. And like often we throw Bible verses, we throw the Bible at people who just aren't ready for it, don't care about it. You know, hand someone a big Bible and they could just go and throw it in the trash can the next moment. Um, and I'm not saying don't <laughs> give the Bible to people. So, sometimes they just store it and at the right time they'll pull it out. But this is this concept. We need to use discernment when we're going to be giving gems of truth to people. And and nowadays we're just always just trying to mm-hmm. slam people with truth and yeah. it's um, counterproductive. And okay, so Matthew 7, still in Matthew 7. Notice we're not going anywhere. Jesus is going to give us more clues of when judging might be okay. Jesus says in, in Matthew 7, verse 15, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, so they look like the good, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them how? By their fruits. By their fruits do men gather grapes for... Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, be the fruits, by sorry, by the fruits, you will know them. Is he telling us to judge here? Or use judgment? Yes. And I should say, is he telling us to judge people? He's telling us to use judgment. And what are we judging? About. we. I, I think it is judgment about people. But it's mostly but about it's, what they do. Yeah, it's about their, it's a, it's about the, the, the actions, the behaviors, the, even to some extent, the character. I mean, character is very important. And be able to j- judge and discern when someone has a good character versus when they don't. Mm-hmm. Even if we don't agree with them, even if they say something that doesn't feel good to us, but if it's, you know, if it is, if they are a person who is caring and looking out for our best interest, even though it doesn't feel right to us, mm-hmm. um, you know, it can, yeah, we are supposed to look for those kinds of things. So what what we actually see here about, you know, especially watching the fruit of fault, um, watching fruit of of people to make sure there aren't false prophets. If they're a false prophet, it's sort of implied in there that they look like they're a prophet. They look like they're in the church. So this is about very much using judgment for people who are within your congregation, within your church, you know, claiming to be Christians. Those are the people especially we need to use judgment about. And again, we're not judging them. We're not saying are they saved or not. Let's say you, you take it for granted, but you need to watch out for you know, especially, are they going to be in church leadership? Are they preaching? Because they're going to have an influence of people around them. And it's very important then for the church to be 
very careful of who they put in positions of influence. And are they revealing the spirit and character of God in their life and in mm -hmm. what they're doing? Or are they revealing the spirit and character yeah. of the enemy? Do they show up and leave a church in chaos or do they bring more harmony to the church? Did they turn people, did they cause divorces and, and people to be unhappy? Or did they bring joy and, and make better relationships? Like, what is the result of the message they're mm -hmm. preaching? And if we look at 1 John 4, 11, one of the most important Bible verses on this topic, it says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Oh. It was 1 John 4, 1, not 4, 11. <laughs> um, I am off today. So I, I could go on and on. There's so many verses on judging. It's such a deep topic. Um, but really, most important is don't don't be looking to bring uh, condemnation on people. Don't be looking to be critical of people. Paul has so many words against that, in especially Romans 14. Read that whole chapter. Well, and I think and, this, um, who is... Oh yeah, let's end with this. This is a great way to end it. Romans 8, 33 to 34. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died. And furthermore, it is also risen. Or who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us? But like, you know, if God is with us, if he died for us, who are we to condemn others? Like what what right do we have mm -hmm. it, it's it's god's role for that we just need to make sure we're hanging out with people that are going to help us have a better closer walk with god mm -hmm. don't worry about their salvation don't worry about their good or bad but where are they taking us where are they taking other people and and are they making intercession for us or are you know and are we making intercession for somebody who's struggling or someone who is in you know who has a need or or who who somehow judges us incorrectly or wrongs us in some way are we making intercession for them uh, bringing good fruits God? like that yeah trying yeah. to bring god's Work character reconciliation and into their life or are we just you know using satan's character and condemning people yeah sowing seeds of discord yeah all right we got a lot of comments yeah we do really and actually do you mind if we address them really quick? Um, I just want to say thank you for the amens from Olivia and Diana. And Diana, I'm so glad to see that you're watching today with your mom and dad. That's wonderful. We want to say God bless you. And uh, just thank you so much for, for joining us and bringing your family into um, our time together. Um, I wanted to really quickly answer at least one of uh, our friend Damo's questions. Um, oh, the and, first and, one he and, says is who? It's actually Damien. He, oh, uh, sorry. He clarified it the other day yeah, for us. Damien. So. Oh, so. All right, my friend yeah. Damien. Um, it says, uh, who goes to eternal hell? Is it possible that uh, souls not saved burn up? And to that, I'll just quickly give you a Bible verse in Psalms 37, verse 20. So Psalms 37, verse 20 says, but the wicked shall perish. Again, just like we read in um, John 3, 16, perish. You, you're no more. <laughs> you're dead. Um, but And the enemies of the Lord, like the splendor of the meadow, shall vanish. Into smoke they shall vanish away. So yes, they are consumed into smoke. They are burned up. They're no more. So there, nobody is in an eternal burning hell forever and ever. I know that 
there's a verse in Revelation that says, and the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, but that's just the smoke, but they are consumed into smoke. So that's it. People don't burn in hell forever. That's um, not a character of a loving God who would torture somebody for eons of eternity mm-hmm. for something that people did in a yeah. few years of life on this earth. So, um, oh, and there's so many other verses we can go into. Um, yeah, I'll just share one on this that just turns a lot of people's world, worlds upside down. Like the presence of God is a consuming fire. Mm-hmm. And, but who is it that dwells in that fire? Isaiah 33, 14, it says, the sinners in Zion are afraid. Fearfulness has surprised the hypocrites. Who mm-hmm. among us shall dwell with a devouring fire? Who among us shall dwell with everlasting burnings? Isaiah 33, 15 has the answer. It's he that walketh rightly, righteously, mm-hmm. and speaketh rightfully. Oh, I'm reading the King James. <laughs> he who despises the gain of oppressions, who gestures with his hands, refuses bribes, who stops his ears from hearing of bloodshed and shuts his eyes from seeing evil. So basically the righteous are the ones who live in the everlasting flames. And, you know, when God compares his people to gold and gold doesn't get destroyed in fire, it just Mm -hmm. gets purified. Amen. That's a really great way of putting it. All right. I know we're running out of time. We have like two minutes, but I think we can answer the at least one more question. Uh, do you want to read it really quick, my friend, sure. Wendy? Let's get that question up. And Rachel's right. Malachi 4.1 is a great verse, too, on the topic we just talked about. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Rachel. All right. Sorry. All right. So Steph is asking, why didn't the Apostle Paul ask for any financial support from the particular churches that he began? All right, my friend, Steph, Lynn, um, I think that you're referring to what uh, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 in verses 1 through 15. He kind of goes on about basically, you know, that he is an apostle, but he's not asking for financial means. He has every right to, but he doesn't. And um, I won't read that whole, you know, passage of the Bible. You can go ahead and read it for yourself in 1 Corinthians 1 through 15, or 1 Corinthians 9 verses 1 through 15. Um, But I will say that the answer is in this uh, close to the end of that passage. And so basically, you know, like I said, Paul is saying, you know, I'm an apostle and I do the work of the gospel. And, you know, in the Old Testament and old times, the priests lived off their work for God. And he's like, but I'm not even doing that. And he gives us a reason Um, in verse 12. It says, if others be partakers of this power over you, are not we rather? Nevertheless, we have not used this power um, or this right, but endure all things lest we hinder the gospel of Christ. So basically, Paul felt that if he were to ask for financial means or money from people to do the gospel, it would hinder the work because it would basically put a bad name to Christians. And we see that so much today. I think that um, these televangelists are some of the biggest hindrances for people giving their hearts to Christ because they're using the gospel as a way to gain means and get rich and, you know, have money. And that's wrong. Um, the gospel was never meant as to be a, you know, a source of income and, um, luxury in any way. Um, you know, we preach the gospel or we share the gospel, not because we get anything out of it, but simply because of our love for God. And when people see like, hey, you're doing this just as a volunteer, you're doing this just out of your sheer love for the 
for this cause, that speaks volumes. And so I really think that that was more of Paul's um, reasoning for, you know, not accepting means to, you know, work as a gospel worker. He instead was a tent maker and he, you know, had a job, he made his own money. He, you know, he supported himself. And I think that's, you know, self-supporting ministries are, um, kind of a, that's the model that God wants for us. And it's okay to, you know, ask a ministry to ask for money and people to give, especially if they're already in the church, but to go out and I don't know, <laughs> just try to really like, if that's your focus as a ministry to get income and to get finances, obviously that you're losing sight of what's the whole purpose of the gospel, which is to share the good news of Jesus Christ and his love with others. And, you know, just as a side note, Bible asking, you know, we are volunteers. I make nothing <laughs> at all from, you know, being a volunteer with Bible Ask. Jane, Wendy, they don't get any finances either. You know, we simply do this because we love God. We love the Bible. And we want to share it with others because it has given us a source of joy and peace in our lives. And so I, and to me, I mean, that speaks volumes as well, just when you're not <laughs> in things for the money, you know, and you're, you're really, um, you're doing things because it's important to you and you see value in it. And I think that that's why Paul was so completely sold out. I mean, he had money before he was preaching the gospel and he humbled himself to, you know, basically a, a very, very, very poor means person in order to just do what he felt called to do, which was to serve God and um, preach his word all over the world. And so um, that's where you see, you know, these really true missionaries who go out and serve God, um, not seeking anything of this world, but seeking only the glory of God. Uh, Jay and Wendy, any other thoughts on that? Um, no, that, wow, that's so well said. Praise God. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. <Not> me. <laughs> Such a blessing to be able to be a part of this ministry. Oh man, God is so good. I, I, I praise God because I've been praying, Lord, I just want to share your word. I just want to talk about your Bible. I love it. And I am so grateful when he opens those doors to be able to share his word. I mean, I pay money to do that. <laughs> I, I would pay even more, you know, to, to share God's word. And, um, it's, it's worth your time to, to give God everything you have because he's, he's worthy. And, yeah. and helping making it all worth it. Um, want to thank for, thank some of the comments we got, like Diana, um, she says, my mom and dad are watching with me also. We really appreciate your ministry. Well, hi, mom and dad. Thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate the, the feedback and that you're being blessed. And Loretta says, yes. you know, thank you for answer. Um, in-depth answer. In-depth answer. God bless you too, Loretta. I'm glad you appreciate in-depth. I'm sorry if we go too deep at times. <laughs> I was going to say, I bet that was your answer. <laughs> I go too deep. I'm sorry. I appreciate okay. you guys still here. <laughs> and then... Olivia, thank you. Yes. Wow. Amen. So God great is... having uh, such a great community joining us. Yeah. yeah. We're so glad you all came. And I know we're kind of um, out of time, but we just want to remember um, that next week we come back every week, Friday at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time to um, join us again. We want to invite you again to, to come back, um, just like our friend Diana, who you know decided to bring her family with her, her mom and dad to join us. Uh, we think that's wonderful. We want to share the gospel with everybody we can in our sphere of influence. So please um, be sure to like and share our content and be sure to join us again next week, Friday at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for our next show. And again, if you have a question that you want submitted for our show, 
please feel free to go to our website, bibleask.org forward slash live, and we will be more than happy to answer it here live on our show. I know we had a few more questions that came in that we didn't quite get to this week, but they'll be top of our list for next week. So be sure to join us again um, next week at Friday at 6 p.m. Um, but before we uh, close, let's say a quick word of prayer and just thank God for his goodness. Um, Father God, we thank you so much for your love, your goodness, your mercy, Lord. You are worthy of all of our praise and everything we have, Lord. We just give it to you and we thank you so much for your love to us. Help us, Father, to live the gospel that we've learned. Help us, Lord, to remember your word and hide it in our hearts and take these promises with us throughout our week so that um, not only will we be blessed, but we will be a blessing to those around us. Lord, we just want to give you the glory and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. We hope to see you again next week. Again, Friday, 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Hope to see you then, everyone. God bless you. Thank you.